I think one of the main reasons for the decline is churches are not willing to change. They're not willing to adjust and understand that, you know, if you don't change, then you're going to eventually die out. You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. Hello and welcome back to our show, Our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javed. Today I am joined by Mark Lee, who has served in ministry for 25 years. He is a pastor who serves at Central Steel Creek Presbyterian Church, and uh, he's a graduate of uh, Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia, PA. And uh, I'm so happy to have him here. And uh, as always, I'm going to ask him to introduce himself, give us a little bit of background uh, on uh, his life and ministry. So thank you for joining us today, Mark. How you doing? Thank you, Alphonse. Thank you for having me. I'm doing very well. This is a privilege to be with you on this podcast. It's, uh, it's a little cold here in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, colder than normal, but uh, we're, we're, we're doing well. <laughs> Good. So before we get started, please tell us uh, very briefly about your family, a little bit about your background. I believe a family is so important because it helps us to humanize us. And I think your audience will connect with you better if they know a little bit about your background, uh, ministry, sure. as well as your family. So share a little bit about that. Sure. I'm what they call like the second generation Korean American immigrant. My parents immigrated here in the late 70s, early 80s. I grew up in America. I was born in South Korea, but I came to the States when I was little. So I'm much more comfortable with the American culture and the English language. But I do uh, speak and understand Korean. I married a bilingual Korean-American woman. And so my wife, Mina, we've been married for 25 years. Uh, this past uh, October, we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. So we've been married for 25 years. My wife is a music teacher here in Charlotte School District. Uh, we have three children. Uh, well, you know, technically, age-wise, they're all adults, but they're still our children. And sometimes they behave like children. But our oldest, our daughter, Karis, uh, she recently, uh, this past spring, graduated from college and is working right now for the uh, school system here in Charlotte. And we have two boys, Michael and Matthew. Michael uh, is a junior at UNC Chapel Hill, and uh, his younger brother, Matthew, he's a freshman at the same school, UNC Chapel Hill. So it's good that they both go to the same school, so we just pick them up and drop them off at the same location. <laughs> That's fantastic. I got four children, and I'm way behind your family growth. My Oldest is now seven. Uh, the podcast has been going on uh, for some time, and they have uh, heard about him when he was two and three and four and five, now seven. <laughs> so it's good. One is seven, then five, and my girls, uh, twin girls are three. So Oh, uh, wow. But, twin girls, yeah. Yeah, but I was thinking about your school is better that you just drop them off and pick them up. We have to drop them off at two different locations, two different schools, and then pick them up about the same time. So one is always in the office. You have to go and pick them up from there. 
and the administration understands that. Very good. Let me bring our audience on board with the background of this conversation. You are finishing your doctorate and the topic is excellent topic. Uh, Feel free to talk about that. So I just wanted to let the audience know that most of the questions are extracted from your research, your document. And as you may the Lord bless you and as you finish your uh, doctorate and one day this dissertation will become available. Let's start with very simple questions from your dissertation. As we are both senior pastors of churches, we are aware of disturbing trends in Mm -hmm. traditional American churches. Would you please summarize for the sake of our audience, summarize these trends for us? The biggest trend that's taken place probably in the last couple of years, and I saw this during my research process, is that for the first time ever, in the history of the American church attendance or membership, it's gone below 50% in America for the first time. You have this disturbing trend where uh, attendance and membership in the church has been declining for the past 30 years, but it was still above 50%. Now it has gone below 50% of the population. We're talking about adults. We're not talking about children, but adult membership in the church has gone below 50% for the first time ever. And so that is a a shocking statistic, first of all. And then I'm an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church of USA, and our denomination has been declining in attendance and membership steadily for the past 30 years as well. So the trend that's been going on from a larger uh, macro perspective in regards to church attendance is also affecting on a micro level from our Presbytery, uh, PCUSA, it's been going down and down. And one of the most heartbreaking trends that I saw in my recent presbytery meeting here in Charlotte Presbytery, you know, we used to have, I think, about 140 or 150 churches about 20 years ago. 20 years later now, we're down to, I think, 91 or 92 churches. And among those 90 plus churches, about half of them don't have a pastor. Some of them have pulpit supply or temporary part-time pastors, but about half of those churches do not have a full-time pastor. And and some of them haven't had one for many years and because they can't afford to hire a pastor, a, a call full-time pastor. So, uh, And a lot of those churches are on the verge of uh, closing their doors probably in the next several years or even sooner than that. And so I don't think that's just uh, unique to what's going on in our presbytery in Charlotte, but I think that's probably very much the same case throughout the country. The decline of the traditional white Protestant church, it's been going on for many, many years, and some churches are not willing to change, and they're going to face the difficulty of having to close their doors. As we continue to pray for the church you know, in the global setting, I pray May the Lord continue to watch over your denomination as well. It's a sad reality of the church in the United States, I think. Yeah. What would you say are the major contributing factors to these trends? Before becoming the senior pastor at my current church, I I moved to Charlotte to be an associate pastor at another traditional white church here in Charlotte. And when I came, I didn't fully understand what was going on in that church, but my position had it had to be dissolved because they didn't have the funds to pay me. The senior pastor of that church that I was looking forward to working with uh, abruptly uh, quit a few weeks before I was supposed to move here with my family. So that church has gone through 
30 years of decline as well. They used to have about seven to 800 members even uh, 15 years ago, but they were down to on paper, less than 200 on paper, but probably active membership is, we're looking at probably uh, under 100, maybe even closer to 70 or, or 80. And what happened with that church is they just kept doing the same thing over and over again. And they refused to change anything, the worship, the vision, the culture of the church. And, and so when I came on board, the session members approached me and asked me, you know, what can we do to attract younger families? Because they had no young family in the church. And I said, well, the way you are worshiping, this might be very comfortable for people in their 60s and 70s and 80s. But this is not going to be something that will be able to attract some younger generation because you're doing such liturgically heavy worship service where you're reciting all kinds of different prayers of this and prayers of that. While young people today, they don't even know the Apostles' Creed. So when you're bringing that up and you're using the creed of this and creed of that, that worship's not going to be something that the younger generation is able to identify with. So we were trying to have more of a blended worship service, including music. We were in the process of doing that when, you know, I realized uh, the church doesn't have the funds to pay me. And then we had to come to a very difficult uh, understanding of that. But I think one of the main reasons for the decline is churches are not willing to change. Yeah. They're not willing to adjust and understand that you know, if you don't change, then you're going to eventually die out. I mean, you look at everything else around the around the world, whether it's corporations or schools or even professional sports teams. Now, uh, you, you don't see, you know, successful football teams running wing T offense. They're running the, the more modern offense. Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia. I'm a huge fan of the Eagles. I know you're in Jersey, so you're, you probably hear about the Eagles quite a bit, or you might be a fan, but you look at the modern day football teams or any sports teams, and it's nothing like the the way they used to play 10, 20, 30 years ago. I mean, mm -hmm. Steph Curry came came out and played in a way where, wow, you can't do that. But he, he revolutionized how basketball is played in the last 10, 15 years now. So change needs to take place. Sometimes the pace of that change needs to be sensitive to the people that are there. But without change, you're going to see traditional churches continue to close their doors. Well, let's move to the next question I have for you. The homogeneous unit principle of church growth has been yeah. thought of as the most effective way to multiply disciples and plant churches. People feel comfortable with people who have things in common with themselves. How has this idea helped or hurt the growth of the church? Well, I'll take our church, for example. 30 years ago, uh, this was a farming community. Hmm. I mean, uh, I hear from our members, you know, tell me like, you know, many years ago as they're worshiping, they can see the cow from uh, their member's farm escape. So a bunch of men run out to try to, you know, uh, corral them and put it back into, into their farm. Uh, this, is, this was a farming community and it was very homogenous. It was typical white, you know, white community. And so, uh, you know, it's not like they were planning to be a, a white-only church. It, it, that's who lives here. That's who lived here. And that's, that's uh, the type of people that surrounded the church up until 30 years ago. 
But about 30 years ago, you began to see the, the transformation of the community. Uh, it's no longer a white community. In fact, uh, it's in my dissertation, the census that's been taken in the past 30 years, how much it has changed. And now the white population is not the dominant population. You have a lot of uh, 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 different ethnic background. Uh, the white population is probably now less than a third in, in our community. And so you've seen this incredible change in the makeup and the diversity of the community. Um, but the church did not change with the changing landscape of the community. So while homogenous, um, you know, uh, uh, scope of the church was great it, because it, everybody was white. When you don't change and understand the need to embrace the diversity of the community, mm. then people are not going to be drawn to a church where you, you're looked at differently because you're not white. Or, or the church is not openly, willingly to embrace diversity, then you're not going to get people to come to church from the community who are not white. So while homogenous focus may have been there, uh, it might have been there indirectly because you don't need to make it a, a focal point because everyone's white already, but you need to make diversity a focal point and part of the church's vision because yeah. otherwise you're not going to be able to change in that direction so um i i think we're just one part of the community in the country where this is taking place every community is going through it you know unless you live in the mountains of west virginia i think even there i think there's some diversity these days wow. so uh it, it's part of the part of the changing landscape of our of our communities that you have to be able to embrace why is tried and true no longer an effective strategy in promoting church growth and discipleship well, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You see the decline of the church. The churches that have refused to change and have continued to do what they did 20, 30 years ago, they're not just declining, but they, they are not they are in the verge of closing their doors. I mean, we, we've had, you know, 50, 60 churches close in our presbytery here in Charlotte in the, in the last 20, 20 to 25 years. And all of them, all of them were, you know, traditional white churches or or traditional historically black churches they're the ones that close their doors very homogenous churches uh the churches that are growing here in charlotte and i'm sure it's probably the case in jersey and throughout the country uh the churches that are growing are the ones that are non-denominational more diverse churches you know they seem to be the ones that are growing but um the tried and true way of doing, I mean, you know, 30 years ago, you, you build a new church in the community. If you, uh, to borrow from the famous movie, if you build it, they'll come. If you put up a church, they came because that was the center of the community. That was the center of the communal fellowship for that community. But that is no longer the case. And that hasn't been the case for 30 years. So, you know, when you're doing, you know, a lot of churches continue to do traditional churches. They have the Wednesday, Wednesday gatherings. You know, they have a meal first and then Bible study for the adults, for the kids. You know, a lot of churches used to do that on Wednesday night. That hasn't worked for the past 20 years because kids are busy with a lot of different activities. Parents are busy and tired coming home from work because now we have many more two-income families rather than just fathers working. 
And, and also people don't want to go to church on a Wednesday night when they're tired, when they can be home, when there's a lot of other distractions around them that keep them away from the church. So uh, you see so many traditional churches now have gone away from meeting on Wednesday night. Well, mm. that's something that drew people to church before, but now it's not working the way you used to. Yeah. So life is, uh, I think, in general, life is uh, more difficult in the United States. Is more, I think, is also faster. Uh, life sure. situations have changed because there is uh, diverse uh, problems. It's not one or two type. It's not just like a oh, person is sick. Now we have very different types of uh, issues that families are facing uh, just because the information that is pouring into any household uh, because of the social media presence, because of the fast-paced information we receive and all the other things. And part of that is people are busy, as you said that, uh, too, because the demand is different. Even those who are working from home, sometimes they are working uh, and communities have grown and the economical situation has changed. So they have, it's not a uh, loyalty-based uh, America right. where you were working for a company and you died and your son got the job right. and you continue. Right. By and large, it's not the case right. anymore. So right. it's like you reach a certain age, age and they're going to kick you out. Not partially it is because uh, technology is changing and they want to bring, and partly is because they can find uh, people who can do the same job for less. So you have all these different components happening. And as you said, right. things are changing. So change is necessary for every organization. So sometimes they are letting people go because they can't afford the previous structure or traditional way of doing what they were doing unless they're willing to die with lack of uh, change or transformation right. in their organization. So there are a bunch of things that are happening in in uh, uh, corporate America and American uh, household. It's affected and, by that. So yeah, I mean, and also even though there are, you know, external changes taking place, yeah. but also uh, I think uh, believe, uh, Christians or church members, their hearts and minds and, and their faith, the commitment level is also yeah. it, it changed. They're not as committed. I mean, you can see that. So, you know, I look at my parents who grew up in a, I grew up in a Korean church, Korean American, a very large Korean American church in the suburb of Philadelphia. I see my parents. I mean, uh, you know, my parents used to go to church like three, four times a week. Mm. You know, there was the Wednesday service, Friday night prayer gathering, obviously Sunday. And my father was an elder of the church. I would, I would have breakfast, lunch, and dinner at church. <laughs> you know, I because you know, I, obviously, I was little. I didn't drive, so I, we got to go with them. You know, I wanted to be home to watch Eagles games, but no, I, I had to be at church because I can't drive. I I had breakfast, lunch, and dinner at church because in Korean church back then they used to have seven o'clock evening worship, and and my father had all kinds of meetings, and my mom had meetings. So we're in the we're in the in the gym playing basketball with other kids of elders and deacons and hanging out at church all day. I mean, we loved it when we were younger, but as we became teenagers, it became difficult to deal with. And then as soon as we got, you know, my my driver's license, you know, we take two cars and we're home after the service and they're there all day. But yeah, I think the level of commitment from the uh, our previous generation mm. to the generation currently com completely different. 
Right. I, I see it in our members as well. We have 80, 70, 60-year-old members, very committed, very committed. But the younger generation, I don't see the level of commitment. And part of that is they're so busy with their daily lives. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. For some reason, the world is more busy today that it seems like than uh, uh, previously when they woke up early morning to go in the yep. field and do those things. And now right. all those uh, produced are uh, available to us, uh, you know, even online. You can just order things online. You don't Correct. even have to go and get it from uh, Walmart or Costco Correct. or whatever other uh, right. local market you have. Uh, yet people are busy, you know, busy, yep. busy, busy. Yep. So that's uh, one of the biggest uh, issue we're dealing with. So as a church seeking to reflect the ethnic diversity of surrounding community, what are some of the challenges that may arise? Probably the biggest barrier for, you know, like our churches, people know us as a traditional white church. Hmm. That's what they've known this church for. And not only do we look like a white church inside, we look like it on the outside too. So the way the campus is, the way the buildings are. So uh, we're doing a lot to try to promote this new vision and, and new ministry paradigm that we have. And we've been you know, somewhat successful. I mean, obviously hiring a Korean-American pastor to be the pastor of the church is going to be a big sign to the community, hey, we're no longer a white church. Fighting that historical picture of the church is one barrier. Probably another barrier is because the church has declined so much in the past 30 years, trying to attract younger families. When I came, there were no young families, virtually none. Some that they had, they all left. And so uh, trying to attract young families into a church that doesn't have young families was very difficult. Uh, we have some now, but uh, you know, they say that you know, if, if it took the church 30 years to decline to that level, it's going to take twice as long to get back to what it was before. This is a very slow, slow process, but sometimes we want to see results right away because that's the kind of uh, time we live in, instant gratification. But we struggle with not seeing the results as quickly as possible, including wanting to become diverse in our congregation. So we have to be very, very patient and methodical and systematic uh, from a spiritual perspective uh, and, and to grow the church to that. But it, that is a challenge, uh, not growing as fast as we want to. Yeah. So, uh, you know, those are some of the barriers that we, we face, you know, right off the bat. And I think it's uh, almost every study will tell you, uh, especially those uh, church planting and replanting uh, uh, experts, they talk about this idea that it's uh, difficult to grow a church, a dying church, grow that than a planted yeah. new church. If a new church opens up across the uh, street, that will right. probably bring more people in than the church right. that existing. And now right. the struggle is uh, when uh, new church planters, so most of my ministry was in New York City. It's just last years that I've been here in New Jersey. But before that, in New York, uh, we will receive uh, church planters every day. New church mm -hmm. planters are coming, right. new mints are coming. And the issue was the old ones are dying and the new ones are uh, gaining people only to know after 10 years they are dying and now the new ones are coming. So right. we were right. struggling with the new idea that how to motivate the new upcoming uh, church planters to help the existing 
declining churches and sort of like replant those churches and collaborate, which is a difficult thing because they have a different vision. And then the mm -hmm. problem that you already, already mentioned earlier, those churches right. are dying because of a reason. And that reason is a, a lack of uh, clarity, what needs to be changed. And I often talk to my staff and I heard it somewhere too, that it's not, people are not afraid of change. They're afraid of uh, the problem is the surprise. When you surprise them with the change, that causes them uh, that hesitation. hesitation right. And I think uh, overall, we need to change this narrative too, rather than planting new churches, which I'm pro planting new churches, 100%. If anything works, let's work on that. Um, but also kind of like a, removing that hesitation that you you know you can't work with the old church. You should. If they are there, they've been around, they know the ins and outs of that community. Uh, and if they are willing to change, it's good to uh, work with them too. Um, sure. uh, you did mention about this uh, idea, the outside, uh, and you talk about the campus. Uh, I assume that the way the campus looks. Briefly talk about that. What do you mean by that? The, even the outside looked uh, um, as if the church is the white church. Is there a parents? Issue oh, when it comes to yeah. a diverse uh, church versus a old traditional Caucasian uh, church. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, our our church sanctuary building uh, is straight out of the nineteen sixties and seventies steeple, and the way it looks. Walk in the the uh, wooden pews, choir loft in the back, and then a, in a small area where just just enough space for a pastor to stand. After I came, you know, we, we incorporated some contemporary music. We we have a new music director who, who has a praise team and we use different instruments. We have no space for that because uh, the choir loft is for the choir. So you can't really have musicians in the, up there. And so, and, and we have a, a big uh, pipe organ right in the middle. I don't wear a robe. Uh, I don't, I don't even wear a suit when I preach, but uh, if you walk into our sanctuary, people will see right. Oh, this is a very traditional church, but we're not anymore. We're not. But as soon as you walk in, that is the first thing that you'll notice. And so, on the outside as well, on the outside, it looks like a very traditional white church. And so, we are trying to uh, slowly make some changes to that, but it's going to take time. And not only is it going to take time, it's going to take resource funds to do it. So. Uh, we're right now in the process of trying to change the sanctuary, especially the front of it, getting rid of the choir loft and all that and expanding the, uh, the pulpit stage area to come forward more. So we have more space for praise team and singers and instruments like drummers and, and, and guitar players and bass players, things like that, so that we can incorporate more of the musicians in doing so. But mm. the church has been struggling with this for past 15 years. When they put a team together, a task force to do a study and see how they can make these changes. So they've been talking about it for 15 years. And finally, now we're ready to do something about it Good. from a practical standpoint. So hopefully it's not too late. Yeah. So what I understand is the then it, it doesn't mean that the outside has uh, somehow communicating that this is a, a white American church. That's not the issue. The issue is the traditional church approach. It Correct. Like traditional. Correct. So you are bringing yeah. contemporary because you could be a diverse congregation and yet have that same. You could be a 
uh, mono-ethnic uh, um, group. Uh, even uh, um, I know that African-American uh, churches uh, are very traditional. Many yep. of them are, yep. especially Baptist yep. uh, uh, churches. Same thing is true for Korean churches. You, you yeah. have a lot of uh, Presbyterian Korean uh, churches that uh, take that same route. So, uh, so what we are talking about is not that as much as uh, contemporary versus traditional. Uh, to just yeah. allow people. I understand that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so what are the short-term and long-term implications of a church embracing diversity? Let's talk about that. Well, I think the short term is what we've gone through in the last, you know, uh, four years since I've been here. I mean, uh, about two and a half years of that has been in COVID. So it, I, I don't know if it can be an accurate assessment of the short-term implication, but I do believe in the short term, when you are trying to encourage a very traditional white church to embrace the diversity aspect of the community, what's going to happen is that the changes that you that we've made, uh, we have uh, that those changes have caused some of the people to say, "This is not what I want. Uh, what what I want is what we had before." And so we've had members, a longtime members, some of them very longtime members say, uh, I don't want to be part of this church. I mean, they, they try to fight it as much as they can, but when they recognize that they are a very small minority, they said, okay, that's it. And they left because they didn't get it their way. They didn't get it. They didn't, they didn't get their old church the way they wanted it because they were happy with what they were getting out of it. Even though the church has been declining for many, many years, they were satisfied with it because they were getting out from the church what they wanted. while the rest of the people realize this, we can't keep going like this. We're going to end up closing the door. But, you know, I had one member who her lying to me each time she came to speak to me in, in the office uh, was, I've been a member here for 60 years. You know, that, that was usually the first line that she would begin with and then begin to share some of her uh, displeasures of the changes that are taking place. And she wanted certain things back that we, we changed. And I told her, uh, is this what you want or is this what the church wants? And she's like, well, I don't know what the church wants, but this is what I want. And so when she didn't get them, um, she finally decided that she she's going to leave the church. So, and so I think the short-term implication is you're going to have some upset people, people who are not satisfied and people who are going to not only just leave, but they're going to leave with their pocketbooks and they're going to let the church know that they are leaving with their pocketbook. Long-term implication, if the church can kind of go through the storms and be able to uh, implement the vision of, you know, having the diverse community be a part of the church's vision through outreach and, and through worship service, through fellowship and, and making the point of letting them know that we are a community church and this is, this is our community. I think the long-term implication is you will have people uh, coming by to, you know, check out the church especially uh, to see what kind of changes have taken place. Uh, I, I do believe that if the church can weather the storm and go through some of these difficult years, I think you'll see some younger people of different ethnicity and different part of the community coming to the church. But it's tough to get through that storm. And, and a lot of churches who are going through these changes and, and through these process, many of them don't come out on the other side because it's just too difficult and, and they don't have the resource to continue to move forward from a financial standpoint. 
And so uh, if we can weather the storm, I do believe that uh, we can come out and, and be able to be a community church, not a traditional white church anymore. So there are short-term issues that we have to deal with, and then there are long-term issues that we need to deal with if we are willing to embrace diversity. And the United States is changing drastically, and God is bringing uh, people from all sorts of places to the United States. And this is the job of the church to realize that God is bringing nations to our doors, and we need to be ready to embrace them. We'll continue this topic in our next episode, part two. But for now, we're going to end this episode. Thank you so much for being on the show again. That was Mark Lee talking about growing and changing churches in diverse community. If you learned something, have a topic suggestion, or would like to leave us a feedback, drop us a note at oururbanvoices.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast. Tune in in two weeks to listen to the second part of this conversation with Mark. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. 